Ladies and gentlemen, good evening boxing and MMA fans from around the world. Introducing from Bassett, California, the third man in the ring, Popeye Ray. Hey, welcome to Third Man in the Ring. I'm your host, Popeye Ray. Today I have another great interview. But before we start, get on YouTube, guys. Subscribe. Go on Patreon. Subscribe. It's only $5 a month, man. Check it out. But today, you're going to recognize this trainer. We're at his gym, Raincross Boxing Gym in Riverside. This guy has, has trained from kids to, to professionals. He's brought us probably the most action-packed um, Chicano heavyweights in the world, Chris Ariola. so you already know who I'm talking about, to the kids. So you're going to recognize him. I know you will. Give him a warm welcome to Henry Ramirez. What's up, bro? Thank What's you, going on, man? For, for coming on my show. Thanks for having me. Man. Thanks for having me. So you got a beautiful gym here, Henry. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, we've been in this building for uh, right around four years now. We moved in during the height of COVID, actually. We moved in during oh, okay. COVID. and um, It's got everything in here, huh? Yeah, yeah. Two, two rings. rings, two full rings, uh, 24 by 24, 18 by 18. I think like 15 bags, uh, weights, treadmill, you know, so we, we make do just fine. So if the kids want to come here, what, what do they got to do? Where are you located? So we're located in the city of Riverside on Chicago 2060, Chicago Avenue, city of Riverside. Um, the amateur program, we start at 5 p.m. daily, um, Monday through Friday. Obviously, when the kids are competing, they train six days a week, you know. Yeah. Um, we have amateurs of all levels, from eight, nine, ten-year-olds to kids who fight at the national stage who are yeah, about that. to turn pro. And then, obviously, during the morning, we have uh, – I think we have about 13, 14 pro fighters here. So, and, and you know what, fans? That that's what that's what made me want to uh, interview Henry. Man, you have the love for boxing, bro. That some guys, and I'm not gonna mention no names. Some trainers, oh, I ain't got nothing for amateurs. It's all about making money. Henry does this out of the love of boxing, bro. He's got a few few good amateurs, and you know what? That says a lot about Henry. That he'll do that for the kids to bring up the kids. And then if they want to turn pro, and again, he's brought us Chris and Chris Ariola, man, he's, this guy's an actor. He brings it every time. Yeah. Am I wrong or am I right? You know, Chris brings it, man. But hey, Henry, uh, so if they want to come, they, they just come and sign up? Yeah, no, so, so usually, usually like when, when people, a lot of it's word of mouth or sometimes it's kids that are moving from another yeah. gym. But we'll just say someone off the street usually will get contacted Usually on social media, you know, a parent will be like, hey, I'm interested in bringing my kid down. I have them come. This is what I do, right? So I have them come for about a week. I'll have the parent bring them, explain mm -hmm. to them A to Z what the risks are involved in boxing, even even amateur boxing at 8, 9, 10, and 11 years old. And I explain the risks that are involved. And then I um, kind of sit with the parents and also make them understand, now, look, when you bring a child here, you have to sit and let them be coached. You have to allow them to be ours for those two hours. You can sit, you can watch, you can encourage, but you cannot coach. Not one percent, nothing of coaching, because I tell That's them. That's going to come up to a couple of I, questions. Of course, I, I tell the parents, and, and the reason we hit on this right away is because I'm having to have this conversation with parents right off the bat. Like, you know, say we're starting with a kid, and we have an area where the dads kind of all sit and kind of hang out. And when the kids spar, I'm fine with them coming closer yeah, to the ring. Right. They want to get up close. But what I don't like 
is when a parent starts going towards the back, trying to give instruction, I tell the parent, hey, come over here. Like, yeah, don't yeah. let them be coached. That, that's our job. And if a parent doesn't seem to want to get that, they're going to take the attention. The time that we're going to invest in the kid is not going to be what they want because if you're going to coach them, why did you bring them here? Exactly. You know? Exactly. And you know what? With that said, before we get into where, you know, I want the fans to know where you grew up, how you grew up before. There's a there's a video that was posted this week that yes. got over how many? Four million views? It, it, it's crazy, Ray. So you and I have been planning to do this interview for a while now, right? And we set this up about two weeks ago. And now, ironically, we put out a video of an 11-year-old kid named Aiden Herrera and our kid, Ivan Bradford, they were sparring, uh, I think, I believe it was on Wednesday. Yeah. I believe it was on Wednesday. And both kids have been competing for years, and they're um, they're getting ready for a national tournament in Albuquerque, New Mexico in two weeks. So at the end of the sparring, you know, both kids have blood on their faces. Yeah. And I'll be honest, you know, most of these kids wore that like a badge of honor, you know. And I, all I did was right. take a little clip of them, commended them, saying, hey, man, a bloody nose happens, you know, good work, boys, you know, because it was a good little sparring session between two kids who have competed with and have that competitive nature. And, Neither and kid friends at top of that. Yeah, and friends, right? So we posted the video. I And it was initially just an Instagram thing, right? An Instagram story. Yeah. And I started getting messages, messages like, hey, you know, you know, a lot of people, good job. Look at those boys. You can tell they love it. Then I started getting people like, you guys are child abusing this. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa where's this go? So then... All through the night, I kept getting messages, messages. So, you know, some people negative, some people positive. So I posted it to Twitter. I go, you know what? Let me let me see what Twitter is. I just kind of want to get some feedback. Whoa. Over 4 point something million views. Ne wow. Never did I think it was going to go. All it really was was just praising two boys right. who had a good sparring right. session. And it's gone completely haywire from we're causing CTE to why are we letting kids that age spar? And, I, you know, and I'm telling people... You know, I said, hey, wait a minute. This has been going on from generation to generation. Like, right. kids boxing is nothing new. At eight years old, per USA Boxing Guidelines, yes. you can compete. You know, people telling me, like, you should, I should be the one to get out and change that. Why? I'm not, I'm not trying to change that. Look, if a kid, if a parent brings their child here and they want to compete at eight years old, we make them sign a waiver. But I make the parent understand, look, the risk, is it, is it more you or is it the kid? You know, and trust me, we find out right away whether it's yeah, the kid or the exactly, parent. Yeah. You know, and let me add to that, Henry. I'm 60 years old. I'm a lot older than you. When we sparred in El Monte at eight years old, we didn't even have headgears. Now, I mean, you, as a man, again, I have five sons. Uh, how do we expect our sons to protect their family, to go off to war, if they can't learn to take a couple of bumps and bruises in a ring under supervision? You know what? I have a special needs son. He's had a trach in his, he's been, he's has a trach. Uh, I talked to a doctor a few years back and he says he's seen minimal in boxing and football. What he's seen probably the most, and I'm not even down, downing that sport, is skateboarding. Irreversible head concussions, irreversible head trauma where they're never the same. Boxing, he hasn't seen anything like that. But again, how do we expect our, our boys or even the girls that are getting into boxing, how do we expect them to grow up to be uh, men of honor 
you know, if they don't start sparring. You yeah, know? no, I mean, look, the the backlash and some of the, I get it. I, I totally get people being concerned about CTE and, and head trauma. But look, kids at 60 pounds, oh. 10, 11 years old, they're not punching hard enough to cause trauma. In my over 25 years of boxing, I've never seen a 60-pound kid cause trauma to another kid. Thank you. Now, a bloody nose, yes, that I'm sorry. A bloody nose goes hand-in-hand hand in a boxing but gym. But those two boys took that as like a badge, a badge of honor. honor. Right, like, right. And this is cool, right. man. Right. They did. And so, you know, I've I've been I've uh spoken to a few people. I did a interview with uh, a one on boxing reporter yeah. yesterday uh about it because he touched on it and um you know it, it's um to me if you don't want your kid in boxing, that's fine. It's not for everybody, but don't don't also demean anybody who who does, you know, because to some people those kids use that as an outlet for who knows what else. And not every kid is going to aspire to be a pro fighter, but some eventually do become pro fighters and change their and their family's lives. You know, some use it as a, a way of um, discipline and, yeah. and belief. And they use that and go on to other aspects of life. But they always circle back to like, man, some of the lessons that boxing taught me, you know, so we're getting attacked for providing an outlet for kids almost, you know, and, and they're saying, uh, child, how can you let a kid have a bloody nose? Oh, it's a fucking boxing gym. You exactly, know? man. And you know what? And again, here's my opinion. Uh, the bully kids come to boxing, it chin checks them. <laughs> the kids with a low self-esteem come to boxing, it brings them up. Yep, elevates them. I've seen more. Tell me if I'm wrong, Henry. I've seen more boxers, MMA fighters, boxers are very respectful. Very respectful, man. Because they know what they can do. Very respectful. Look, one of the things we preach to the kids is, look, what you're learning here, it's for competition. It's for self-confidence, self-belief. It doesn't mean we want you going out there to be a bully on the schoolyard or fight kids. You know, no, that's not what it's for. It's for you to to compete at at whatever level you want to achieve. You know what I mean? So the, and, and I'll be honest, most of the kids we have here are great kids, man. Great kids. Pow, Red, uh, Ivan Bradford, the kid that was in the video. I mean, we got some. We got a great nucleus of, of young boys, and um, you know, and we got some some hot amateurs who who are about to turn pro. And yeah, you know, so those, those are just some of the the kids. The name a few, but um. Well, now that we address that, hey, Henry, tell the fans a little bit about about Henry. Where'd you grow up at, man? How how'd you grow up? Was so you- I was I was born in a. I was actually born in Artesia. My family, a lot of my family is from, is from the Norwalk Artesia area. You know, um, I I, I, I born out there, but my family migrated out here to Riverside area. And the reason why is because my grandpa and his brother, my mom was one of 14 kids. Wow. 13, 14, I don't know, 13 or 14 kids. So I come from a huge family on my mom's side. Um, So I'm one of, I don't know, I think 50 first cousins or something. Yeah, there's a lot of us. So my grandpa and his brother owned a trucking company, fertilizer company, right? And back in the day, they would haul the manure from the dairies to the mill. And, you know, they would go on and sell it. So they had a, and basically they brought the whole family out here. Riverside, uh, the Hoopa Valley area, Mira Loma area. Chino, Ontario, you know. So. And back in those days, there was a lot of cow country. Yeah, yeah, right? a lot of cow country, you know. Um, so uh, I'm going to touch on this because I get asked, and people, and, and it's nothing I really speak about 
uh, publicly, but I guess as I gotten older, I guess, you know, I feel a little yeah. more comfortable now. Um, I always get asked, like, man, your mom and dad must be so proud of, like, what you've accomplished. I, you know, I tell people, oh, you know, I have a, you know, they both died when I was younger. Both parents died when I was younger. My mom died when I was 13. My dad died when I was 19. But but it's not a it's not a sob story. It's not a sad story. Um, That's heavy. I, it is. But I grew That's up I grew up in a like I said a big family. Um, so I never went without. You know I always tell people that that yeah my mom died. I think it was a week before my eighth grade graduation. But I never felt like I went without. You know my mom's older sister basically I lived with her. She became basically a second mom to me. So you know I never I never grew up without. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how about your siblings? I have two bro, no, a brother and uh, two sisters. There are two uh, two sisters that are older, and I have a brother that's younger. Oh, okay. but and they're all good, man. Everybody's good. Everybody's like I said, good. I come from a big family, man, and um, you know. And what school did you go to? I went to Hoopa Valley High School. Hoopa? Went to Hoopa Valley High School, and uh, it's funny because recently I started. Um, I've caught up with some high school friends recently. You know we. We're like, damn, man, you know, they'll be like, man, it's a trip seeing you on TV. You know what I mean? Yeah. The guys, guys that, you know, I'll talk to on social media and we caught up and it, it was good. Recent, this is recent, too. So, yeah. So, so what, what got you into the boxing scene? So I've always what loved boxing. Love for the boxing. I always loved much. boxing growing up. I, uh, what era, what era were the big time fighters in your time? Cause again, I'm a lot older than you. Um, what do you mean? As far as amateur scene or like, or, uh, no, or, pros. Oh, pros. Oh, growing so. up though. Growing up, I mean, I remember when I was like seven, eight years old, right? And the era that everybody talks about, Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, Roberto oh, wow. Duran, Marvin Hagler. I'm 48. I am so, old then. Yeah, yeah. So that was the era. I remember my family would always be involved in boxing. And, and I remember going to some uncle's house and everybody in yeah. the neighborhood would stop by, you know. So, But I think I had my first amateur fight. I think I was 13, 13 or 14. Um, but growing up, I played all sports, right? I played football, loved basketball, played baseball. I used to run cross country, wow. box. So I, I literally you were played, a, I, a jock, I loved huh? sports, bro. Loved, right. loved, loved sports, bro. And growing up as a kid, I would read the newspaper at five years old. It always a sports section. Yeah. Always had my face in the newspaper up until like five years ago. And I just stopped buying it. Cause I would, but I would buy the online subscription. So I'd always, Sports yeah. has always been an outlet to me. Um, so it's weird that I ended up, it's not really weird that I ended up becoming a coach and a manager of fighters. So sports has always been an outlet to me. So you had a little amateur career in boxing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I had, what did I have, 30 something fights? 30 something fights? That, that's yeah, a, that's a yeah, career. Yeah, I boxed, I boxed for, um, I think it was eight years here at the, the old Lincoln gym. Yeah. I remember on 14th, Lincoln on gym, 14th of Victoria. It was, it was on the campus of Lincoln. Who was the, the old man that always said Pop. Pop, oh, so there was various factions of that. There was yeah. Pops Campbell, yes. older black gentleman yeah. who was an old school trainer. Then there was Larry Rios, who was more of the community guy, who was, you know, the state. And then there was the, the guy who I trained under, Andy Suarez. Andy Suarez was... Um, yeah, he passed. Very, he passed in 06. Very good old school, very good knowledgeable yeah. trainer, you know. And he had rough, his son. Yeah, his son was fight. good, man. <laughs> rough around the edges. Yes, uh, Andy, Andy. Andy was rough around the edge, but man, he was very knowledgeable about boxing. Yeah. And um, and um, we got to get him on here to interview. No, no. So his son, his son, Mark Suarez. Um, man, I remember seeing him. Like, man, this guy's good. Man, he was a kid. He's 15 years old, and you know, he ended up having a big amateur career, turned pro. You know, fought for the world title. Yes, you know, yes. so he 
he he did he had a good career. But Andy trained all kinds of fighters. I mean, he was Josecito Lopez's original yeah. trainer. Um, he also trained uh, Monchi's uh, um, yeah, Jose Monchi. Torres, Monchi's Torres, who's Ricardo Sandoval's yeah. trainer. So we all kind of came from that same tree, so to speak. Yeah. You know, he the stock there. Yeah, the yeah. Stock, the roots yeah. all started yeah. there. Yeah. Did he train Chris too? No, no, no. He uh, that was your guy. Yeah, it was my guy. But Chris, you know, Chris and I are only five years apart. So Chris obviously started in East LA, migrated out here, and then um, Andy, Andy, and Mark knew him. Andy and Mark knew him. Yeah. Chris always tells the story that, yeah, Mark kicked my ass when I was a kid. He was my first loss when they were amateur yeah. boys. You know what I mean? So, but uh, I, when did I meet Chris? I met Chris back in around 2000, maybe about 2000, yeah. somewhere 1999, 2000. So, but yeah, those were some fun times at the old Lincoln gym, man. It was, it was a great. So when your amateur career, uh, what was your record? I want to say. I probably think I probably think I lost around ten of ten of the fights. I made twenty seven and ten. And in amateurs, yeah. If I'm wrong, and it's hard to win in amateurs. It's hard, bro. You know, I tell people like, if your kid is like, kind of fifty fifty, he's good. He's yeah. good. Yeah, because it depends. You know, like the amateur style is different, obviously, from the pro, pro style. Yeah. And people, it's a point system, point it's system a safety issue. Yeah, a lot of safety measures, and then, you know, um. Like say eight eight to ten year old kids, they're fighting in one minute round. So the round's over yeah, quick, yeah, yeah. you know. And then when the kids get to eleven and twelve, I think it goes up to a minute and a half. Then you get to fourteen and fifteen, the rounds go to two minutes. So you start to get a little more of a transit. Um so amateur success doesn't always equal pro success, but yeah, the, the amateurs is it the scoring is difficult at times because sometimes you might score a knockdown. And in the pros, that could sway a fight. Yes. In the amateurs, it really doesn't yeah, it count. Doesn't do nothing. Doesn't count. Yeah. So, so um, when did you when did you start saying, you know what? I think I'm gonna start training. So funny, funny you mentioned this. So I remember telling Andy Suarez, like, man, I, I'm done. I'm tired. I was <laughs> like working a regular job, and I was still trying to train in the afternoon. So I understand how difficult it is for some guys now. So. I remember I got to a point, I said, Andy, yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to be done. He goes, ayúdame, ayúdame, vete a ayudarme. And I'm like, damn, uh, that means, you know, come help me, you know, come help me train, come help me train. And at the time, we, uh, Josecito Lopez was probably 12, 13. Um, his son Mark was, I want to say about, he had just turned pro. He had, he had a couple okay. pro fights under his belt. So all the running around and going to the amateur shows, I was like, damn, we were doing it. I was like, do I really want to do this? <laughs> so it's a lot. It's, it's, time a, it's a lot of work, man. It's time consuming. It's a big commitment. And um, so it ends up, it ends up migrating into helping them. Then, you know, we, we go, I'll go with them with Mark Suarez's fights. And then we turn Josecito Lopez pro and then, so now we're starting to get a movement. Then, we, you know, we got a couple other pro fighters. So now we're doing amateurs, got some pros. And this was about maybe 2001, you know, around. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I started helping them around 2000, 2001. And then it really got going, 2003, 2004. Like we had turned Chris pro. He was helping me with Chris. Um, we had turned Chris pro. We had Josito Lopez pro. We had Alex, a guy named Alex Viramontes at the time. So little by little, we're starting to get guys yeah. going. And then, um, you know, Chris, 
Chris was starting to make a move. Josito had some fights under more fights under his belt. But but for Henry Ramirez, was Chris your your first? Chris was my like, first. This is my this is my fighter. first fighter. Chris was my first fighter on my own. And then unfortunately, Andy Suarez died in two thousand and six. Yeah, just had right? a heart attack. No? Yeah, no, he. Yeah, it was weird because I remember him having to go to court for like a ticket or something, right? And I remember him telling me. Hey, I might not be here tomorrow because I got to go to court for a ticket that I didn't pay or something. So I remember him, you know, the next day, I remember like, damn, Andy didn't show up to the gym. Like, oh, yeah. once, next day goes by and then we find out that he passed. You know what I mean? Like, oh, shit. So then yeah, I remember was, his son had Mark a... Mark took it real hard. Man. Yeah, he did. Mark took it real hard. He had a fight set. Mark had a fight set like three weeks later and he decided to pull out. Josecito went ahead with his fight. And then, you know, he died in 06, and then from there, um, certain guys went their own way, certain guys stuck with us, and then it kind of pushed me to the forefront, like, all right, like, you're, yeah. so, but as that was already going on, I was already starting to learn the business a little bit. I would, I would have countless conversations with, like, Alex Campanovo and Brad Goodman from Top Rank, and, and just my dealings and interactions with things, and I just started learning the business side, which is... Yeesh. People, if you don't know, there's Yeesh. the sport, and then there's the business of boxing, that's and it's another, completely different. Segment, and it's <laughs> completely different, you know. Yeah. And that has that has really helped me, you know, now and in, in the last few five, six, seven years. Because not only do I train all my guys, I also manage all my guys, also, you know. Yeah. So uh, it's basically like being the coach and the GM of a football yes. team. So, so you got to be. I'm. You got. You're. you besides training them. Now you're figuring out who they're gonna fight. Right? The Which purse, everything, everything involved. Yeah. So everything, everything in between. So I would always get asked, hey, Henry, like, who sets up all your fights? All you guys are busy. Like, me. Yeah. You know, and a lot of it is built on relationships, contacts that you have through through the years. And, you know, I have a great relationship with Alex Camponovo, who was the general manager and basically ran the Thompson, Thompson boxing yeah. shows for 23-plus years. And we had countless guys there over the years. And, you know, I developed a good relationship with Roy Engelbrick and all the local promoters, you know, and then, you know, we signed Chris Ariola with Al Heyman way before everybody in the world wanted to be with them. You know, we signed, oh, with, right? we signed, That's Chris, crazy Ari to know, yeah. Chris Ariola was one of the first fighters Al Heyman ever signed. We were, when we signed Chris, well, it was Chris, Jermaine Taylor, Andre Berto, um... Uh, who else? Uh, Antonio that, Tarver. That's when Chris fought at the Toyota Center. Then it was called something else. Yeah, yeah, but right? we're talking 2004 was uh -huh. when we signed with Al Heyman, signed him with Al Heyman, and, you know, we started developing a relationship with him over the years, and naturally, as years went by, I was able to get Josecito Lopez signed with them, you know, and we worked with other guys signed hey, with Al. And he's one of the top promoters in the world right Right, now. right, no, and then, you know, and I've worked with Golden Boy, everybody, you know, pretty much everybody, but... The ones that I have probably the, the longest tenured relationship would be Al Heyman and Campanovo. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when it came to Chris, tell us a little bit about that relationship. Because again, <laughs> Chris is Chris has brought us some action packed. Right, fights, right. Bro. We uh, don't lose. He yeah. brings it, bro. Chris is um Chris is a character, man. He he really is a character. Uh what you see is really what you get, you know. I always I always clown and, and say, yeah, you know, when me and Chris used to spar, you know, or sometimes Chris would tell me, hey, go easy, hey, you know. Chris could beat me on his worst day, bro. Yeah, Chris you know is mean? a character, man. He was also a handful and a pain in the ass to deal with. But, you know, I learned I learned so much 
through all those years of working with yeah. him and um and I've taken that to obviously the guys that I work with now, but you know, it's a little different now because the guys that I work with now, I'm not so close in age as Chris and I were. Chris and I were also very good friends, you know what I mean? So we know a lot of that makes a difference. Uh I I don't know. You know, some people say, well, maybe because it was you guys were such close friends, and maybe because this that. I mean, look, he did great. I would think, yeah, as long as there's respect when it's training time. You know what I mean? You know, but But yeah, Chris Chris was a handful, man. He was a handful because I pretty much dealt with everything. Yeah, far beyond boxing. You know, that's about as far as I'm going to get into it. Yeah, yeah, everything that. He dealt with in his life kind of ended yeah, up yeah. on my lap, and uh, that it was uh, it was a lot. Yeah. But we we have a great relationship. Even when when he decided to go work with Joe, um, him and I relationship did not change. Our friendship did not change. And, I and was that's still crazy. involved. Yeah. Tell me if I'm wrong. When he went with Joe, weren't you still in the? Corner? Yeah, I was still in the corner. Yeah, was, yeah. So I mean, it says a lot yeah. about loyalty. Yeah, right? man. On, so on you know, side, you know. I mean, I tell people, I trained Chris. For 17 years, I think that was the longest relationship I've ever had. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But he's back here training now. I mean, where where you at? So when when he gets ready to fight, he might be fighting in April. We're gonna he's already started training here, so we're gonna get him ready for awesome, his last, awesome. last. I mean, you know, Chris always the, brings it, man. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So who else do you have under your belt right now? So right now, um, pro wise, we have uh, Louis Lopez, a, a guy who's uh, here out of Corona. I've been training him since he was, I think, 15 years old. He's 27 now. He was with us at my old, you remember Indian Willie, my cut man? So let me tell you a funny story. So Indian Willie, we we had, uh, he had built a gym. So we were at Lincoln Gym, remember I told you Lincoln. And Lincoln was kind of a free-for-all. There was 20 different trainers there, just a lot of commotion. And as Chris started making some headway and Josecito started, you know, getting, he wasn't there yet, but these. Indian goes, I'm going to build a gym at the house. I said, why? He goes, I'm just tired of all the drama here. Little by little, time goes by, right? Sure enough, he built a fucking gym, right? Yeah, the bottom metal, of the- yeah, bottom of the hill, metal building. So it was great, man. So private. And I, at first, I resisted because I still wanted to be involved with the amateur. You know, you're not going to get a kid yeah, walking kid. in off the street like you would there, right? So I'm like, you know what? After a couple of days we trained there, everybody was like, yeah, dude, we're never going back to Lincoln. Sure enough, we never did. So we trained there for, I think, eight years until Indian had died. But I had already gotten involved with the startup of Raincross. And, yeah. and, you know, when I moved over here after Indian died, I mean, to be honest, the place, it, it exploded, man. We started getting amateurs from kids that were moving from yeah. other gyms and, and, you know, what have you. So You got a good little Filipino kid, no? Is that his yeah, name? yeah, pal. Yeah, he's Filipino. So I know it's uh, everybody... Ask me about Pau now. Um, Pau's a national champion, you know, a pretty talented kid. Um, he's got a chance, Ray, and I've never put this on a fighter. He's got a chance to do something special, to be special. Wow. He's that good. He's that good. And I'm a, I'm a big believer in never blowing up a fighter, like seeing for what yeah. they are, you know. So for people to tell me, like, damn, you don't ever put that label on someone. Unless you feel, and he's got a chance to be special. But How old is he now? 17. He'll be turning pro in October. And I, and I think I first met him when he was like seven or eight. Yeah, yeah. He's been around little, boxing little, little guy, man. whole life. But, um, you know, going back to the pros, you know, we have Louis Lopez from Corona. Um, 
He'll be fighting March 30th. We have Nelson Oliva, 10-0, power-punching lefty that walked, you know, was in L.A., moved out here about five years ago, been with us now. Um, I have Richard Brewer making his return. Um, he's, yeah. what, 13-1. and one. We He's have always a been a good action yeah, fighter, Yeah, good too. fighter. We have A.J. Saldivar. He's 5-0. and oh. He's a 154-pounder. Uh, we have Marcos Hernandez coming up on ESPN um, in two weeks. Figure that out, guys. In yeah. two weeks, Henry's got a fight on ESPN. Yeah, Marcos Hernandez taking on um, uh, Troy Isley. Troy, and that else? date will be when? Uh, March 2nd. March 2nd. This will be this interview will drop next Friday. I, I forget the, yeah, the we, date. Yeah, and we've also got um, I got a heavyweight Oscar Torres, 9 and 0. Uh, who else? Uh, Joshua Conley, who's a, a good 154 pounder. So, you know, the we're we're fairly busy. We're yeah. fa thankfully we're fairly busy. Um, what else? What? Oh, we also Ray. We're also doing our own show. We're also throwing our own show. So I partnered with one of the fathers here. He's like, we train his amateur son, right? And he's like, I want to get my promoter's license. I'm like, no, you don't. He's like, yeah, I want, I want to do a show. I'm, careful like, what no, you I'm like, no, you don't, right? <laughs> so the way I caution parents about the risks of boxing, yeah. I had a caution. I said, Robert, doing a show, I want you to understand, it's a huge financial risk. Yeah. And I want you to understand that and acknowledge that going in. He's like, I understand that, and I want to do it. So. We've, we're throwing the show, Ray, March 23rd here at the Loom Killer Center in, in Ontario. Um, it, it's got me a little out of my element because I'm, I'm a trainer and manager of fighters. Now I've had to do Matchmaking. all the ins and outs of the throw, oh. you know, uh, the right paramedic, the, the seats, the insurance of the venue, the this, the, all right. Um, and you're a jack of all trades. Yeah, bro. Like, how much are we going to charge for parking? What beer are we going to sell? It, it's, Bro, so we meet up weekly. We kind of go over things and then matching the fight, getting the tickets out to the fighters who are on the event. Make sure you get some good-looking referees. Right. <laughs> I mean, come on, Holmes. Make, making, sure, uh, you know? making sure the fighters that we've got for opponents, their medicals are done. So it, it, yeah, it's a lot, a bro. Big, Having yeah. to book travel for the fighters who are coming from out of town to fighting the local guys, figuring out what hotel we're going to put them yeah, up in. I mean, from A to C, bro. A to Z, so it, it's um, a it's itself, been a bro. headache. It's been a headache, but it's good though. It's good because I want to ensure that our first event is a successful one, and and if it goes good, we can continue trying to give a yeah. another another a platform for some local aspiring pro fighters. You know what I mean? So um, it's not easy though. It's it, it's definitely not easy, and it is time consuming, and 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 it, it's a lot. So let, let's get to the nitty-gritty here, your opinion. Your <laughs> All right, opinion. yeah, absolutely. One of the things that they, I always ask the trainers is, what do you think about the father and son teams? <sighs> your your it, opinion, because obviously some work. Right, some work. And some, as a referee, I've seen some fathers like, what the hell are you doing, bro? So I think, one of, in my experience, I think most fathers, when they're the trainer, they don't see reality. Thank you. They don't see reality. And um, fighters are going to be filled, their ears are going to be filled with bullshit by girlfriend, boyfriend, family, this, that, whatever, right? But the father usually is the worst in seeing things that he doesn't, you know, I pride myself on being honest with the fighter. Like, let somebody else fill their head with bullshit. It's not going to be me. Yeah. But 
when I do praise them a little bit, it's going to mean a little bit more like, holy shit, okay, yeah, it, yeah. you know, but fathers are, it's it's tricky because, well, Ray, you're a father, you're, you're some box, was it, was it hard for you to detach, was it hard for you to, to separate, was my son Adrian detached from me before oh, okay. I detached. Before, okay, so. You know what I mean? Maybe he kind of already. He already a, knew, like, you're telling me something you don't know, Dad. Right. You know? Or, or when he got a little hard sparring, I'd be the first to, you know what I mean? To get, a, yeah. I want to take him out of deep water, you know. I'm, right. You know? And this is why when I took him to Ben, uh, you know, every trainer has their, has their rules. But ben goes, you know, I've known Ben since eight years old, right. bro. He trained me as an amateur. But Ben goes, you know my rule. I don't even want you in the gym. Ben's I a fucking even, legend, man. I couldn't even be in the ring Damn. in the gym, bro. Damn. I haven't seen Adrian spar in probably three years. Eh? So that Ben's, if you see Ben's hardcore, that's where yeah. Abel's the same way, bro. Abel's, so me, I don't have a problem with the, like, so a lot of the fathers when they'll be sitting chilling, but as soon as their son gets ready to spar, they're on the ring, which is fine. I have, I want them to be involved. But, but in you say the same thing that Ben says. Yep. I don't want to hear your mouth. I don't want to hear your mouth. I don't want to hear you coaching. You know what right. I mean? So, so that that's and look. I've seen dads where the the fighter gets out, and the dad's just giving them a look and fucking piss. Say they don't mm -hmm. have. You know what I tell them, bro? Why does it bother you? You weren't the one getting hit. He, he was the one in there. Or yeah. or when when you leave that door, hopefully he's not getting chewed out on the way home. Yeah. Maybe because I don't have a son that boxes. Maybe I don't see it from their perspective you know what i mean but but i've been have a daughter right yeah i have a daughter and you want her to to be the best right of course and, of course and so i think i would like to think there's no such thing as perfection but i would like to think, think. that i've i perfected that part where i know when adrian came home from the gym with ben i never asked him how'd your sparring go right. because what am i going to say if he says well i didn't go too good what am i going to say right oh well you should have done better or or you did great i wasn't there so and I just pretty much knew my boundaries right? because the way Ben raised me. Right. But I do understand how you say, you know what, I've seen, I've gone go practice uh, refereeing. I've seen how fathers get involved. And I've seen some trainers will say, hey, bro, I don't want to hear that boy. You know, he's my son. And this, and this is why if you don't have that relationship, like, hey, this is my gym. Let, let me I'm your trainer. We, the, the kids, especially the amateur kids, the kids, Ray, who are the most successful in our amateur program are the ones where the dads completely have trust and let us be. Now we've had some dads that try to get involved. We have some dads who try and I tell them, all right, cool. Go ahead and start sticking your nose in. I'm going to go ahead and detach myself. They're going to get less and less attention because you don't want to seem to get it. The kids that have the dads that have have complete faith and let them be coached are the ones in this gym are the ones succeeding, excelling and the most advanced. And, you know. and this goes to the, and tell me if I'm wrong, Henry, because you're a trainer, I'm not. The ones that, the father-son teams that do succeed, they just stick with them. Right, that yeah. Just, just yeah. you and me, yep. you, and that's it. Yep. They're not, they don't have a second coach. Yeah, they don't have a second they coach. They just, you and, and him. And uh, I, I look, I'm, I'm sure it's tough, and you, most of the kids were brought into the sport because their dad had a genuine love for the sport, and but... It, yeah, it's it, it's tough. It it is a tough because I've heard so many different stories about how you know the at some point Ray the the some fathers that are training their son they gotta they gotta ask themselves what's more important to me being a father or being his coach because 
a lot of times it just doesn't seem to, to and mess. And me, it was being a father. Yeah. Being a father. I'm going to give you an example. We had this one dad. I'm going to rename. I'm not going to name him, but he was a real piece of shit. Um, he was a real piece of shit. We started training the kid around the same time Pal, Pal came here, right? Like mm -hmm. seven, eight years old. So we put years into the boy, and the dad starts taking him somewhere, places on his own, far. And I, I call, I, the kid comes to the gym, goes, man, I'm tired. I go, why are you so tired? Well, my dad took me to spar this morning. I said, what the fuck? So I pulled the dad in the back. Hey, why are you taking your son to spar? Like, he's going to spar. Well, I don't feel I have to ask you. I go, wait, 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 bro, listen. I put five years into your kid. We're not charging you. It's all on my time. Like, there's a respect thing. Yeah, yeah. He would tell me, you let pal's dad take him sometime. You're right. I'll let pal's dad take him if I'm busy. But we, this is all communicated in advance. I'm finding out because your son. And why would you want your kid sparring twice a day? I go, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. I tell him straight, you're end up being that after a while, and I kept trying to hold on to the kid. And the other parents were like, get rid of the fucking dad. Finally, I got rid of the dad, never looked back, and I was glad yeah. to get rid of his ass. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and the sad part about that, that kid, or, or I take that, that father won't see that until the kid's like, a man raised yep. like, what the f did I do? You know what I mean? So I was, I was glad to, I was glad to, to get him out of here because, like I said, the dad ended up being a real piece of shit. So uh, another question that the fans always ask: What do you feel about about uh, fighters that jump from trainer to trainer? Um, and I'm talking about from a young age. It happens. Look, look at. There's times we'll get a kid right. And when they come for another gym, I might ask them, hey, what happened over there? You know, what, yeah. what happened? You know, I didn't, you know, oh, they're not taking me to fight. They're not this. And I said, okay. And us, if, let me, let me backtrack real quick, Ray. So the Southern California scene, amateur boxing pro is, is the busiest scene in the country, yeah. right? We're so, rich of fighters. Right. There's fights everywhere, every weekend in, in the Southern California. So whenever a kid comes, I'll be like, well, there's 40 shows a year here. Why, why aren't you fighting? I tell, look, if, if there's only two reasons why you're not fighting. One, you don't really want to fight. Or two, your coach is lazy. They're not taking you. But if they're not taking you, there might be a reason beyond that. No. Maybe you're not ready. Maybe you're not this. So, no, look, there's kids that'll come. And I'll watch them work out. And we start with like, okay, why aren't they, why aren't they going? Maybe, maybe that. Jim is fucking lazy, excuse me. Um, but one thing we, we press, Ray, is uh, if you have no plans on competing, we got no plans on spending time with you because I'm not going to take yeah. time away from kids who have been here. So there are gyms, fight kids who trainer hop from trainer to trainer to trainer. But I always kind of look at it, okay, what's going on? And look, we've had kids that have been here and they're gone for it. They're not, like, we, we had a kid a couple, couple years ago who was here. Then he left to a gym. Then he left. He's on his fifth fifth gym, right? And the dad went from just being here, helping him. And we we're like, this dad wants a fucking coach, dude. He doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Yeah. But he, now the gym that they're at now, which is probably their fifth gym, I see the dad helping this. I go, two fucking years ago, we had, I go, this, but it, you yeah, see what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So trainer, kids that trainer hop, uh, something usually with the parents, you know, parents maybe feel kidding, getting a certain amount of time not getting the attention, but look, here, here, I'm big on this. If 
if you could walk into a gym, right? If a, if a brand new kid could walk into my gym Monday, never boxed, and I could drop everything for him, that's not the gym you want to be at. Why? Why is that? Because I mean, they ain't got shit going on. There's a reason for that. You know what I mean? Um, so you gotta when you're in here, you gotta. I'm here for four hours. I I gotta work with him today. I gotta work with him yeah, tomorrow. I'll yep. work with you and. So, Look, yeah. there's kids that have been with us eight, nine years. They're getting all the attention they, they need. They're, you know, we're, but they're dedicated. They're dedicated. Well. So I tell people, for you to start getting me to take time away from them, I got to see something in you. First yeah. of all, it starts with being here all the time. You know, there is no off-season in boxing. Now, now, are we Neanderthals? No. I understand that after we take a kid to compete, take a week off. Go be a kid. Go eat whatever yeah. you want. Go be hang out. Kid. Play video games. Exactly. Whatever. We'll be a kid. But, but, you know, and, you know, some of these kids who we've had for years and they're on the national level, fight all the big national events. I'll tell them after the, like, after Albuquerque, I'm going to tell these guys, I don't want to see you for at least a week. And if it's two, two, go go yeah. have fun. Now, the kids who are learning, say we take them to the first amateur show, you know, their first fight. They do good. or No matter how it goes, they're like, okay, good. You know, these, see you in a couple days. You know, take a couple days off. I want to interrupt you real quick. Mm -hmm. Did you hear what and uh, uh, Henry said, if I take a kid to his first show, it doesn't matter how it goes. Mm. That says a lot about Henry. He's teaching them the fundamentals of self-defense. He's teaching them the fundamentals of just worth, work ethic. Mm -hmm. and it's, he's not, and this is, again, you know, not to blow smoke, bro. This is why I praise you that you're here to teach kids fundamentals. You're not, hey, well, you're going to be a pro or you're going to be a big-time manager. You want to learn? You come in here and show dedication. I'm going to show it right back. You know? Right. No, absolutely. No, like I said, not everybody's going to be uh I mean, look at me. Uh, I was canvas back Corona with Ben, <laughs> ben Lira Holmes, but, <laughs> but he always showed me love. You know right. I mean? So, no, so one of the things, like, look, we want the kids to win, but, yeah, yeah. you know, look at man, if a kid loses that 9- or 10-year-old fight, it's, it's I'm like, hey, you know, you see the little kid crying, you give him, Man, it's not the end of the that's world. Right. You're gonna dust, you're gonna that's, dust that's yourself right. off. That's and right. I always I always tell kids, did you fight hard? Yeah. Did you try your best? Yeah. Then that's all we can ask for. That's all we can ask for. Like Ray, like when you can tell who works with pro fighters and who doesn't. Okay. Yeah. We'll go to a nine or ten year old, you know, amateur show. Nine year old kid, or when you'll see the dad or the coach jump up like they fucking just won the Super Bowl, right? World title. Our kid wins. There you go. Our okay. kid loses. I clap for the other. You, you, you're never going to get a different reaction out of me. You, it's the same. I'll clap if we win. Clap if we lose for, for the, the other kid. Too. You yeah. clap for the opponent. Yeah, bro. You know, um, pros, it's a little different. You know, there's, there's, there's it's, it's a business, right? It's a profession. You know, the, you know, the bigger the fight, obviously there, there's a financial uh, uh, thing attached to it. So it's a different thing, but it's, it's funny when I see, a kid who, or not the, the kid I love to see the kid. I never get tired of seeing a little boy jump up or when they're on their knee waiting for them to go out and they announce, they hear them, they jump out. Of it. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. That, that's, that's pure, right? Pure enjoyment of a kid. But I laugh when I see the coach. Yeah, man. Like, relax, yeah, bro. Chill like, let's chill out, bro. Like, you're 40, you're 40 some years old. Calm the fuck down, you know? Um, but, but the kids, you never, you never get tired of seeing a kid. You know the the joy of them. They get the trophy. You know, and and then sometimes you'll see another little kid crying. And I'll go to the other side and you know, hey man, keep it up, man. No That's worries, right. keep working. Right. You know, 
All right, let's get down with some an ugly question mm -hmm. and some questions that probably hurt. Hey, thanks for watching, guys. If you want the full interview, get on Patreon. Subscribe, guys. Thank you. God bless.